Today's reading is from Matthew chapter 18, verses 21 to 35. The parable of the unmerciful servant. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So our topic this morning is do yourself a favor, forgive. And living with this sermon topic for the last couple of weeks has made me think a lot about how I need to forgive people just to get through my day. I wonder if you've ever done this. It starts off in the bedroom in the morning. Our morning routine includes a cup of tea for mummy and daddy and some milk for the boys and for Lucy, who's eight months old. But I've got to tell you that as we're reading our Bible stories, we usually get to the point where uh, the boys are tumbling in on each other, someone gets hurt and someone needs to ask for forgiveness and we haven't even hit seven o'clock yet. Then we find ourselves downstairs in the kitchen having breakfast, having porridge oats and come on, come on. I know they say you shouldn't cry over spilled milk but when this milk gets spilled every single day it gets really, really irritating. And yet again, forgiveness needs to be asked for and forgiveness needs to be given. And my need to forgive definitely continues as I leave the house and head off on my bicycle to brave the London traffic. I'd be surprised if I've done a single journey on my bike across London where there hasn't been a need to forgive someone, where there's been a taxi driver cutting in, uh, a bus getting into my bike lane, uh, or an Uber driver. <laughs> He doesn't seem to indicate. I mean, come on, just indicate. It's too easy to do. And if we hold on to that unforgiveness, then it damages us a whole lot more than it damages the person who we're upset with. And so I find just cycling 
in and out of um, church and wherever I'm going across London, there's this constant need to be forgiving people or bearing the consequences of unforgiveness, which is holding on and being hurt rather myself. Hilariously, just after I stopped recording that last bit, I had a um, rubbish truck that almost knocked into me and then a taxi that pulled out last minute just as I was going across the traffic light. So in Jesus' name, I forgive them. <laughs> I forgive them. I want to move on. I don't want to hold on to those uh, as I head into church myself. And so I finally arrive at my destination, having forgiven a few more people, including the guys who digging up the road in Pimlico again. And yet another person who tried to dart in front of my bicycle and I had to yank my brakes on. I've only traveled 1.5 miles, but I don't know even how many people I've had to forgive just to get to this point in the morning. It's at this point that you might well be saying, Guy, thanks so much for getting out of your cycling kit. But those examples that you gave might be seen as a bit small and petty. What about the bigger ticket items? of things that people might need to forgive in their lives. And is there a blanket statement on forgiveness in the Bible? Well, if these are the questions that you're asking, let me suggest that you open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 18, and we'll have a look inside to see what Jesus says about forgiveness. Here we find a pretty hard-hitting story. When Peter comes to Jesus and he asks, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Peter's obviously fed up with forgiving someone in particular, and he wants to have a get out. But Jesus tells him not seven times, but 77 times. Jesus is saying, listen, Peter, just stop counting. You have to continue to forgive. And then he tells a story about forgiveness in the kingdom of heaven. He says it's like a king who's settling his accounts, and he brings in a guy who owes him 10,000 bags of gold, which is like 20 years worth of wages and the guy can't afford to pay him back so he falls on his knees and he begs for time and you know what the king gives him so much more than time because time won't be enough instead he says look your debt is cancelled and he lets him go in peace but then the servant who's just been forgiven this gigantic debt goes and grabs a fellow servant who only owes him a day's worth of wages and he throttles him, he chokes him and he wants to have him chucked into prison because he refuses to pay. Now it's completely understandable that this king who's just forgiven him for a gigantic debt is pretty upset with him and brings him in and he says, listen, if that's how you treat other people, if all you want is that standard, well, then you're gonna to have to repay your debt just like you asked. And he gives, him, he gives him that sentence of having to repay his debt in full. So now in verse 23, Jesus tells us that this story is about the kingdom of God. So we know that it's not simply just about a king and servants and debt and gold and silver and prisons. No, this is going to be about something much deeper than that what Peter asked him about, in fact. This is going to be a story about forgiveness and how we are forgiven and how we should forgive others. So I'm going to divide this rest of our time, in fact, into three sections where we're going to look at how the ransom has been paid, how we to recognize unforgiveness, and how we to rid ourselves of it.
you know what, when the king and the servant came together, someone was going to take the hit because those 10,000 bags of gold should have been in the treasury of the king. But the servant couldn't pay. So in fact, the king ended up taking the hit. And that's what happened as well for us on the cross. The king, King Jesus, took the hit on our behalf because we couldn't afford to pay for the mess and the sin in our lives. So he died for us in order for us to be forgiven. Jesus, if you like, is in the forgiveness business. He is Mr. Forgiveness. And as he died on the cross for us and offers us forgiveness and we accept that forgiveness, the power of our sin and our unforgiveness is broken. All we need to do is ask. And it's a bit like we've been hostage to sin in our lives, the mess in our lives uh, for all our lives. We've been um, powerless in order to escape. But in dying for us, Jesus offered us forgiveness and paid the ransom. And so that we who had been hostage can be set free. But the thing is, so often we forget that and we stay in bondage. We stay in our hostage situation, not realizing that Jesus has paid the price and we should and could be free. But instead, we let unforgiveness manipulate our relationships and our friendships and our family life and our work life with colleagues and our time at school and university. It can really hurt us. It damages us emotionally. It even has an effect on our dreams and what we think about at night as we process the day. And in fact, that's what I found in one of my sons recently. Let me tell you the story. You know, the manipulating power of unforgiveness hit home for me yet again a few days ago when our three-year-old son came home from school saying that one of his friends had refused to share with him and he was mortified by this. That night he had a nightmare about it, in fact, shouting in his sleep, please share with me, please share with me. And I came through here and I prayed with him. The next morning his teacher at the school gate asked how he was and I was able to say, look, he had had a rough night because one of his friends hadn't shared with him. And this phenomenal teacher, who we got so much respect for, said, even before class starts today, we're going to have a chat as a group about sharing. That afternoon, our son came home, beaming from ear to ear, saying that he'd had a fantastic day at school. But even so, he had a nightmare that night. And his nightmare made me realise that even though we could have um, some justice in his class with those three-year-olds and even some reform in the class potentially. Unless my son was able to forgive the person who hadn't shared with him, he would be the only one. He wouldn't move on. The rest of the class would go forward, but he would still be stuck. And that is the power that unforgiveness has over us to manipulate us and our relationships. So friends, if you've received Jesus' forgiveness, then you are no longer in the grip of unforgiveness. The power has been broken. The ransom has been paid. You might have been a hostage, but now you have been set free. You're set free by the power of Jesus on the cross. And so therefore you can walk away from unforgiveness and start forgiving people 
who have hurt you. But one of the first questions you might be asking is, how do I recognize unforgiveness in my life in order to know who to forgive? And that's the section we're going to look at next. I think unforgiveness is such a difficult one to spot in our own lives. It's easy to spot in other people, but it isn't easy to spot in our own lives. So we all need some help and some tips on how to see it. And so here are four ideas on how we can find unforgiveness in our own lives. And the first one is if we're counting how many times people have hurt us. And we can see it in Peter when he says, how many times should I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me in verse 21. And Jesus says, not seven times, but 70 times, or 70 times seven, perhaps even. He's saying, just stop counting. And if we're counting how many times people have upset us, how many times we've had to forgive people, then we need to know that we've got a problem in our own lives with unforgiveness towards that person. And the second one, is complaining. Do you complain about a person? I remember back in the day when I was studying uh, in Cape Town, I was doing a business degree and one of our sections was in marketing. And we're told that if someone loves your product that you sell to them or your service, which you give to them, they will tell four people about you. But if they dislike your product or your service that you're giving to them, They'll tell 10 people about it. They'll complain to 10 different people. And if we're holding unforgiveness in our lives, we're going to be sharing every upset that we have about all the people who we're holding that unforgiveness against. And in fact, it will swamp the good things we say about people um, because we have more to complain about than we have good things to speak of. So if we're complaining about people, that definitely shows that there might well be some unforgiveness that we're holding against someone else. And then the third question is, are we alienated from someone? You know, there's a lovely story in the Bible, which we tend to call the prodigal son, but it could easily be called the unforgiving brother or the grumpy brother, because the older brother uh, has a rough time of it when his younger brother who's been squandering his father's wealth comes back and the father runs up to the younger brother and sticks a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and, and hosts a party on his behalf because he has come back. But this older brother who doesn't seem to think he's done anything wrong refuses to join in with the party and grumbles until the father comes after him. And he just can't forgive his younger brother like his father has been able to. The father is in the forgiveness business, but the son in that story doesn't seem to be. And as a result is alienated from his younger brother. Are you alienated from people? Do you see that grumpy brother in you at times or grumpy sister in you at times? alienation is definitely an indication uh, that we might be holding on to unforgiveness towards someone. And then finally, do you resent good that happens to someone? I sometimes spot this in my life uh, when I'm feeling upset with someone and just refusing to forgive them and then suddenly something great happens to them or they do something brilliant and it's an obvious time where I should be celebrating with them or I should be praising them for what they've just done. 
but instead I don't feel like it. I, I, I just feel resentment instead of, re instead of joy um, and I stay upset with him. If there's that sort of resentment in your heart when good happens to someone, then you are probably also holding unforgiveness towards them. So therefore, ideas, are you keeping score? Uh, are you complaining? Are you alienating? And do you resent the good uh, that happens to people? If any of those four um, seem to pop up in your life towards someone else, then you might well be holding unforgiveness towards them. And as we're talking about people who we resent because they've got a good classic sports car drivers outside the window making a loud noise while I'm trying to record in here, let's have a look outside. We'll forgive them and then we'll carry on going. So now we've moved on from those noisy sports car drivers outside, having forgiven them and uh, they've stopped making their noise, which is helpful. So far, we've looked at how the ransom has been paid. We've looked at how we can recognize unforgiveness in our life. And finally, we look at how we can rid ourselves of unforgiveness. And for that, I'm going to give us four Ds. Firstly, we need to desire to forgive. We need to decide to forgive. We need to just do it. And finally, we need to depend on God to help us with it. So firstly, in desire. Now, anyone who's gone through addiction problems knows that the first step is to desire change. Do you desire change in your life? Have you seen how unforgiveness is costing you in relationships and it's hurting other people? Do you see how you aren't able to love someone when you're holding unforgiveness? Uh, towards them, you're holding forgiveness from them. Can you have, have you spotted that in your life? Have you spotted all the harm that it's causing? And have you also spotted how that person who you're keeping forgiveness from is loved by Jesus? That's someone who Jesus died for, just like he died for you. And it's at the foot of the cross, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer tells us, that we meet our enemy and we realize that he or she has been forgiven too. But what about those big ticket items? I mean, how do, we, how, do we, how do we create a desire in ourselves to forgive someone for a big ticket item? Now, I've got to say that Joyce Meyer is very helpful for this. Uh, she's written this book um, called Do Yourself a Favor, Forgive. And I think I need to forgive her because she stole the title of my talk, uh, which uh, has to be forgivable. But... Um, She's written about how her father abused her in the worst possible way, uh, 200 times over at least, and her process, her journey um, towards forgiving him and how she's managed to forgive him and seen a huge amount of restore, restoration and healing in her own life. So read, read Joyce Meyer um, on Do Yourself a Favor, Forgive. But you can also go straight into the Bible and it's in there we see this king who's forgiven us a ridiculous amount. Uh, we see Jesus paying the ultimate price for us on the cross. He is the innocent party. We're the guilty party. He lost his life because of us. And if he is able to do that and take that hit and hold out forgiveness towards us, surely there isn't anything that we can't forgive 
that someone else has done for us. So how do we find the desire to forgive? Well, I believe that sometimes we need to rely on the Lord to help us. And we need to go to him and we need to be honest with him. And we just say, look, Lord, I, I just can't find it in myself, but I need help. So please give me the desire to forgive someone who has hurt me. And see what he does. He's got the power to change your heart. And when you know how much you've been forgiven, you're able to forgive others. And it might be that you need to be able to forgive yourself as well. And you don't have that desire yet. We've got a good friend who went to university with my wife and really, really tragically, both of her parents died when she was quite young. And completely irrationally, she held herself responsible for their deaths. And it took her coming to faith in Jesus and realizing how Jesus has, had forgiven her um, before she was able to forgive herself and move on from that big ticket item in her life of the responsibilities she had for her parents' death uh, that she was holding on to herself. So the desire to forgive is the first step and it might well be that it comes through prayer. The second one is that we need to decide to forgive someone. And this is where we need to be quite deliberate about it. We need to say, this is a decision that I have made and you might want to tell someone about it to stay accountable to them uh, someone who you trust, someone who you know well, uh, someone who you can share these things with and say, look, I'm going to forgive this person. Ask me tomorrow, ask me next week how it's gone and pray for me as I do this step. And then we just need to do it. And do it might be a bit complicated, um, it, it, certainly during COVID times when we might not be able to meet up with the person, but I think the best possible way of forgiving someone is to meet up with them in person and be able to speak to them so they can see your body language. They aren't confused by a text message or an email and lacking the tone in what you want to convey. Uh, they see you in person, you're able to say to them, look, you have hurt me, um, but I forgive you. It might well be that in person isn't possible and you have to do it over Zoom or email or letter or text or something else, um, but if possible, try to connect with them. And it might be that you just can't meet up with the person. It, it might be that you uh, are so out of touch that you can't get hold of them. Or it, it might even be that they've died and therefore you can't say it to their face. And in that case, what I'd encourage you to do is come before God in prayer and say, Lord, even though I can't convey this to this person who I want to forgive, I want to say to you that in Jesus' name, I forgive this person who has hurt me. And Lord, at the same time, please forgive me for holding on to this unforgiveness, which I have, uh, which I've held um, for this person and help me uh, to move on uh, from it. And I pray, Lord, for restoration in my life. So it might be that you need to do that step rather than meeting up with them personally. So now that we have the desire, we've decided, we've um, just done it, we need to depend on God to help us to continue in it. Because it's so easy to forgive someone and the next minute to come back and actually pick it up and actually start harboring unforgiveness towards them yet again. Because they have hurt us uh, for the eighth time um, or for 
you know, for, for the, what, whatever it is, the 50th time when we've forgiven them 70 times 7. Um, and we need to be asking God constantly for help as we depend on him to hold on to that uh, forgiveness, having walked, um, walked along that path and forgiven that person who has hurt us. And I want to pray that as we do that, we'd grow in the family likeness, we'd grow in the business of Mr. Forgiveness of Jesus, who's died on the cross for us so that we can be forgiven. And we'll find uh, that it flows more naturally. Whatever we're doing, whether we're cycling to work or whether we're going through our, our day in the workplace or at school or at university or at, at home, uh, wherever we are, let us be a people who flow in forgiveness. And I want to pray as well that as we do that, we'd grow in love uh, towards other people, that instead of holding on to unforgiveness, we'd just be pouring out love. And as we love those around us, uh, they would be pointed to Jesus, who loved them all the way to the cross. Shall we pray? So, Father, thank you so much that you have paid the ransom for our sin through Jesus on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that that work has been done. And there's nothing that we have done or could do which we can't ask you to forgive us for if we come to you. And thank you, Lord, for helping us to recognise unforgiveness in our life. We pray that you'd continue to help us to do that and help us to rid ourselves of unforgiveness. I pray that through this week, we would be meeting up with people who we have been um, refusing to forgive and asking them uh, to forgive us for holding on to that unforgiveness, and we would be forgiving them. And we pray, Lord, that you'd grow us in love, grow us in the family likeness, grow us to be more like Jesus. And whether people have hurt us to a small degree or a large degree. I pray, Lord, that we would be flowing, overflowing in forgiveness. And we pray that we do this all through and in your strength. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's go out there and do it.